it's deconversion therapy. Welcome, all the people out there, you Christians, you non-Christians, you (laughs) Hindus, Jewish people, Mormons, ex-everything, pagans, witches, um, and ambidextrous. Welcome to deconversion therapy. I'm Karen. This is Bonnie, and you don't have to be any of those things. Uh, you, you have to. You, you have to be have the to ones be that I listed. <laughs> and Specifically. You, just those. Obviously, I did not say Catholic. Um, That's right. So I'm here in Tennessee, and Bonnie is down in Florida where DeSantis is. And I just heard the funniest thing. I guess I missed this saying, but DeSantis mm-hmm. was just in Iowa, and Iowans like harassed him and chanted until he stopped talking on a campaign trail. They chanted pudding fingers. And I'm like, pudding fingers? <laughs> you haven't heard about that? No. <laughs> he eats his pudding with his fingers. Oh, my God. God, that's disgusting. I thought it meant like his fingers looked weird. Oh, man, <laughs> nasty. I can't remember okay. where I heard it. I heard, Don't you hear so much on TikTok anymore that you're like, oh, hell if I know the source. Like, at least it yeah, used to exactly. be, oh, I heard on Dave Letterman or this podcast. But, like, right. Uh, and P.S., I have a lot more, uh, a lot shorter attention span than I want to have. Totally. With my media, totally. same because here. of TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's right. totally. In fact, if there's a TikTok and someone starts it out slow, I'm like, sorry, that might be a yeah. great story, might change my life, but no, we're not gonna. And there's an editing button, and you can learn to use it. Oh, and these these fuck faces who are like, listen to the end. No. I know. When you tell me to listen to the end, it just makes me not want to even more. It might be so satisfying, but I just kind of don't want to be bossed around. <laughs> You're not the boss of me, yeah. TikTok. Um, all right. Well, we have a lot of new listeners, and we would like to thank our Venmo love offering person, Jennifer, <laughs> who has put in money and sponsored this episode. She will regret it, but we really appreciate <laughs> it. And I wanted to say to the new people, Bonnie and I grew up together in South Florida. We met when we were one because her grandparents lived on the same street that my parents moved from. She came from California. I came from New York. And uh, then... You know, we were just and going to school together, going to church. Oh, yeah. My everything. mom was like, where should I send my young child to school? Because she has too much energy and I must get her started in school because she's killing us. And so <laughs> the the Baptist school would take us early because um, my birthday fell. You pay them. Late. Yeah, you pay them. So you want to come early? Yeah. I totally remember my interview with our principal, too. You know, going to some apartment where I don't think she lived. What? Yeah. You had to go to an apartment? Yeah. It sounds sketchy. Yeah, it was this cute, really cute area on Palm Beach. But I don't know. Did she ever live over there? Who knows? Anyhow. I think this was a trafficking scheme because I have never (laughs) heard tell. 
when I was little, they realized they needed to get me occupied because instead of taking naps, I went and memorized the alphabet backwards. And yeah, <laughs> I was like, one of those. what do you hear me say the alphabet backwards? And as of course, you know, the whole family's like, oh, you can't do that. Okay, go ahead. And then when I spit it out, they were all like, oh, okay, you're not taking naps, are you? And they Um, also, when they went to our Baptist church, realized she was a witch because we learned only witches could say it backwards and write it backwards. Yeah, yeah, that's so. I I think my parents sent me because of the opposite. Like you know, I was (laughs) still sucking my thumb, and yeah. They were like, Karen is on the Benadryl again. Like, I was just monotone. So I think they're like, let's get, let's get our blood flowing. Let's try something. Um, but so we've known each other for a long time. And Bonnie ended up going to a secular college halfway through, leaving our Christian college uh, let's just say the ratio of sinners is the same, but she ended up being sort of distant so you could question the faith that we were in, and it took me longer. I became a missionary and so forth. But we are both out of evangelicalism and out of the faith of Christianity, but we are all for whatever you are as long as you don't put it into public policy and the government and try and be mean to people. There. Is that good? Isn't that nice? That's so weird that it is. And it's weird that you said that because she doesn't know what's on my little thing of notes about the episode we're going to talk about today. But that's why what we're going to talk about is lighter and fluffier than maybe some would want it to be, but too stinking bad. And I said stinking to clean it up. Um... So, yeah, it'll come around. It's as though you planted it, though, with what you I just do. said. I planted yeah. it at all because I'm a witch because I could write backwards in elementary. Um, find us on all the social media that we have, Instagram, Facebook, and we're on threads and also TikTok. But just find us there. I don't know what's going on with threads, but it's not as exciting as it once was. Anywho, find us there, and we also, <laughs> in wow, our was, show notes, <laughs> I really sold it, um, in our show notes, we have the links <laughs> to all our social media, uh, if you want to support an episode, if you want to become a sponsor, we do Zoom meetings where Bonnie actually shows her face, and uh, things like that, so it's all down there. Let me do just a tiny bit of um, personal chat for one second. Do you have anything good for me to watch on TV? Because I just finished Last Tango in Halifax, and I was just watching it because Mm. I thought, oh, it's a British background, and that'll be fun to watch the rolling hills of England. And I didn't like any character in this show. I watched (laughs) all four seasons of it. They never got to where I Mm. liked them, but I, I stuck it out. And then started watching that thing about Last Call, the one where there was a serial killer on the loose in New York City and the gay clubs. And it was so dark that the minute I started playing it before bed, I was like, oh, no, this won't end well in my dream world. Exactly. Um, 
So what no. do I watch? I didn't watch that one because I know the story, and I was just like, some, you know, I love my murder sometimes, but some of them are just too much for me. Um, yeah. So I think some things you can watch could be light fluffiness. I just watched Felicity. I don't know why. I'd never seen it. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I think I want something light that I can look away and I not miss anything. And it's continuous for a lot of seasons. So I'm like going back and looking for things I haven't seen. But other than that, I I can't think of anything. Can I tell my little Felicity story? And if you want to cut it, that's fine. So I worked at a talent agency in the writing Mm -hmm. division of TV. And we signed this young writer who was presenting herself as about 18. And she Mm -hmm. would sit on my boss's uh, sofa and let her legs, yeah, (laughs) gross, and let her legs (laughs) dangle off like she was Edith Ann on a giant sofa. Um, Right. And I was in charge of getting her paperwork together to process for paying her checks. And there was some weirdness about, like, why wouldn't she give me a copy of her driver's license for me to give to our business department? And I said, you guys, there's just something weird going on. So I leave my job there. I go to some kind of development job. And I get a phone call from the two guys who had signed her. And they're like, you totally called it. You're totally right. She was 30 and telling everybody she was 18. <gasps> like, what? Yeah, I know. And you can still find it somewhere, like, if you Google it. But she, you know, because youth is king in Los Angeles, writing, yeah. uh, in Hollywood, whatever you want to call it, in the writing, TV writing industry. They want young people, which always baffles me because they have no life to write about. You know, with as much as she was yeah, writing, yeah. she was like, yeah, she's 30. Um, anyway. Did you ask her her uh, skincare so regimen? That was a fun scandal. <laughs> what no, did uh, she was what just did, short. <laughs> how did it relate to Felicity? Oh, she wrote on Felicity. They got her a job on Felicity. Sorry. Yeah. There you oh, go. Oh, gosh. So then I think yeah, they fired got back her from Felicity. Stories. Yeah. But, <gasps> yeah, to get on the, the wow. writing staff of Felicity was a pretty big deal because it was the I think it was the first season maybe even when she had long hair, right? You know, yeah, you have to be on the Before long she, hair one. Anyone can write for season was. two. I know, I know. Yeah. Once you cut Craziness. your hair, <laughs> they um, don't like so you. They just like scandal. young, long-haired women. Everyone else. Um, no, yeah, I can't really think of anything else. But that, but I've been busy with family well, and lots going that. on with family. You're not going to watch my family. Oh, good for um, you. You know what? And that's about it. I will watch, I'll just watch 30 Rock over and over again. It's just a happy place that to be. That sounds healthy. You know? Exactly. That's what I'm looking for. So yeah. now I look for how it is filmed. If there's not enough light in the shot, I don't want to watch it. So I'm sorry, Norway. I'm not watching oh. anything from your country unless you turn the sorry. lights on because it's too dark. Sorry, Ozark. Yeah. That's right. Ozark sorry, Jason Bateman. Super... I love you, but Ozark is blue. <laughs> it is so blue. Oh, my gosh. Ah. 
Yeah, and remember, remember how Mash was like green. It was just dark drab green, and maybe I brown. think they were just <laughs> right. Everything was brown then, though. There was that one that was. I didn't watch a lot of those things like you did, so I didn't live in a heathen household. But I remember the one right. that was at a. Um, there was something that was like police people, and it was just a was bunch it Barney of older Miller? men. It was Barney Miller. Barney fucking Miller. Everything it's Barney was, Miller. you know, mustard yellow and brown. brown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, that brings yeah. us into the era that we're going to talk about today. Oh, but these these kids did not wear mustard brown. In fact, they had all they the didn't. different colors. But purple, purple was a big one. All right, so we're going to yeah. talk about the Osmonds because they are mm-hmm. a big family and they are um, famously Mormon. So right. that's so a big part of who they are. Let's go there back and really explain. Explain who they are to people who are yeah, okay. young. Okay, there's going to be a little bit of track laying here where I explain to you what the world was like back in the 60s. <laughs> television on your uh, in <laughs> television in your living room was a small box and it was black and white. And there were three networks and that was it. And they went off the air maybe at like 12:30 at night. And that was it. If you didn't want to watch, or if you wanted to watch TV after twelve thirty at night, you were fucked. So, I guess yeah. people read books. I don't know. Um, a telephone was attached to a line. Well, I guess you know. I bet people slept. They probably I bet people went to sleep. slept. Like our yeah. sleeping is so fucked yeah. up these days, and we're all like, I wonder why I can't sleep. That's right. Because. All of us have been programmed to have media at any time. Any time. Okay, so that was the world. So, and and there's a great line in Seinfeld where the development executive says to George Costanza when they're pitching at the network, why am I going to watch this? And he goes, because it's on TV. <laughs> like, that is right. not how it works anymore. Just because it's on TV doesn't mean you're going to watch it. So no, but it a show then. that was no. just on TV... Yeah, it did then. So one show that was on TV was the Andy Williams show. And he was like a super dorky crooner who sang Moon River. And Mm -hmm. he would have acts on. His brother saw this little barbershop quartet of four little tiny boys who had been performing (laughs) for some Walt Disney show. And said to Andy, you got to right. book him on the show. And Andy's like, oh, I don't know about kids. and it, Or no, it was his father. And he's like, well, but my father, whatever he said, I did. So booked these four kids on the show as a barbershop quartet. So, like, that's so wholesome and cheesy. And today, can you imagine, like, one of three choices, you know? Crime, nope, <laughs> something else, and a barbershop quartet. Well, I guess let's watch the barbershop quartet because the whole family can watch. Anyway, so what you were watching, if you saw this barbershop quartet, were four little Mormon kids, and it was Alan and Wayne 
and Meryl and Jay. So this was in the early to mid-60s. So they were singing along. We were not alive, people. We were not alive. (laughs) (laughs) This is all from research. Um, And I don't say that to lie. Okay, so Alan, Wayne, Meryl, and Jay, and I'm reading them in chronological order, too. I'll tell you a little more about the family order in a second. Um, So then... When Donnie hits five years old, (laughs) he had been practicing (laughs) at home. When he hits five, he joins the brothers. So they're no longer a barbershop quartet and they have to go by the Osmonds. And I think, Ah. no, I didn't read this, but Mm -hmm. my spidey sense tells me they went by the Osmonds because there was a girl who had been born and she was just oh, yeah. getting older at home and they're like well we can't call it the Osmond brothers because we're going to stick her in there somewhere eventually down the right. line so okay so and it was these, about the same time as the uh as the Jacksons yes so that's that's coming hold on i got to give you a tiny bit mm-hmm. more pipe to lay so their dad, okay, so the, ki- the, the parents are named Verl and Olive mm-hmm. Osmond. They live okay. in Utah, of course. Of course. They're Mormons. Ogden, Utah. Okay, so they had one kid, and that kid was hard of hearing, one son. They named mm-hmm. him Verl. Um, then, they gotcha. had, then they had Tom, and he was deaf. So they had one, I think, that had a lot of hard of hearing issues and one that was totally deaf. So um, Verl, I I didn't get a date on when Verl was born, but my guess is it was 45 because of what I'm going to tell you next. Um, Wow. Tom was born in 47. So then in 49 comes Alan. In 51 comes Wayne. In 53 comes Meryl. 55 comes Jay. Donnie in 1957. Marie, 1959. Then I think maybe they thought everything was over, but then Jimmy popped out in 63. So that was (laughs) Jimmy Osmond. So, like, everybody was exactly two years apart until the last one, which makes you think, you know, they were just... Letting God, letting go, letting God. So Yeah, um, exactly. So they've got these two older brothers at home, and they know that they're going to have to possibly fund future mission trips as Mormons. That's part of what they do when they come of age. Yep. Mm -hmm. So they originally started, the dad started them performing so that they could buy hearing aids for Verl and Tom, which I think is so dear. I think that's sweet. Yeah, well, and to fund I their feel missions. Terrible <laughs> already. No, and to uh, fund <laughs> and to progress. Joseph Smith's <laughs> digging up yeah, stuff. Well, you know, the other thing that I do want to say in my shitty judgmental way, I commend their parents for not naming them all with like V letter names. Or all A's, you know. <laughs> it's Alan and or Alex J's. and Annie and Armand. <laughs> yeah, or all J's, yeah. what have you. You got Jennifer, just a Jennifer, Jessica, just what, whatever the Duggars were. Yeah. Jadrian. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, so they're all like two years apart 
precisely. Anyway, um, so so that's how so Donnie starts up at age five. So then they get mm-hmm. out of the whole um, barbershop thing, and they're five little kids who are really, really good at music. They know instruments. Yep. They can sing. They can harmonize. If they give them any kind of assignment to do, they go home and practice it, and they come back to Andy Williams, and it's perfect. But they were really hard on themselves because their dad was really hard on them or strict mm-hmm. with them, too. Um, right. He, the dad was the driving force. He... <laughs> Woke them every morning by a bugle. A bugle. No. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. It's so funny. So, Bonnie, if, if you had <laughs> yep. seen Shiny Happy People that we covered, yeah. they mm-hmm. talk about how the Duggars were just like this. Very good. Did instruments. Learned everything. And it was really because of... A lot of abuse. Like they were scared not to. That was the only way to control the kid is to squish their own inner like desires. They did squish their own inner desires too because Mm -hmm. um, first of all, you know, everybody who deals with anything religious probably knows Mormons. No drinking, no smoking, no sex Mm -hmm. before marriage. And Donnie right. even said in one interview that they weren't allowed to have fights or to disagree yeah. or to even express themselves. Right. So yeah. they just towed the line. So yeah, that is how. Yeah, yeah. But it looked like, I mean, you can only imagine. I mean, if you're going to be a robot and be allowed to wear those funky 70s clothes <laughs> instead of long dresses yeah. and everything, you probably it. had some mm-hmm. fun. There was probably oh, a little bit of so, fun there, especially sure. with all boys. Yeah. Um, and that's all, if that's all you know, then you're bad and you're good. It's just a different sliding scale anyway. And, yeah, right. I'm sure they had fun. Yep. Um, so it is It is kind of sad that Donnie says that when he joined them, by the way, he was five. Um, I know. They kind of made... <laughs> Looking back on my career. <laughs> right. When he joined them, they kind of felt, or they kind of made him feel like he was the interloper. And they were like, well, we've been doing this for a long time. And he's like, but... I've been working hard, too, at home. And part of that, I think, was probably because he was super cute. He was just he was super cute. a little bit yeah. more palatable, maybe, than the other ones were. I don't think it was his age. There was just something. But it was he the same was, thing with Michael Jackson. Right. He just stood they out. They were both visually more acceptable, attractive, as kids Something. and as they, you know, grew up. I mean, Michael Jackson. Anyway, but, um, yeah, he was. He was adorable. Yeah, okay, so so they're going along when he's between, like, 5 and 10, recording different songs and pop albums. So it's weird because they have this parallel thing where the brothers were doing stuff that was kind of pop, and then they poked Donnie mm-hmm. out there to record on his own to sing, like, bubblegum songs to, like, little prepubescent girls. And so he okay. recorded, Donnie recorded under just Donnie's name. Um, 
the song Sweet and Innocent, and it's catchy and jingly, and I love it. I'm not going to lie. Go Away, Little Girl, that's catchy and jingly, and I love it. I'm oh, not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Puppy Love, and that's catchy and jingly, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and I'm it. not going to lie. <laughs> How old was he then, I also though? love it. I'm still picturing five, <laughs> and that's creepy. Um, it's How as he's he? like... As he's getting older to be like, n- like nine ish, ten ish, twelve ish. Oh, I would when think he's he little was and his voice hasn't changed. Or something. Oh. Well, hold on. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's singing the bubblegum songs, and I can't remember what song it was um, that he sang. At fifteen is when he really shot to huge fame because he made an appearance on Lucille Ball's show called Here's Lucy, which, again, mm-hmm. it wasn't I Love Lucy, but if it was on TV, you had to watch it. <laughs> and so he right. serenaded Eve Plum from the Brady Bunch, who was playing, I guess, her niece or something like that. Jan. Um, no, yeah, Jan. So, so that's when he was 15 that he shoots to big fame. And Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still have these, but a big way of disseminating information back then to the teeny bopper crowd was through magazines called 16 Magazine and Teen Beat and Tiger mm-hmm. Beat and all sorts of other things. Yep. But Teen Beat was all, and Tiger Beat, was all uh, pinups and fluffy right. pieces about the Jacksons, Donny Osmond, you know, the Partridge family and all of these people who were p- any potential for teen idleness you had went into yeah, these yeah. magazines. Um, and, and Karen, you like when we came of the age of who are you going to put on your wall? Karen was Andy Gibb. Our mm-hmm. ding dong friend Karen T liked Donny Osmond a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I remember. I'm pretty sure she had that lunchbox, but no, she had a strawberry shortcake one. Anyway, um, and then there was embarrassing me who had Scott Bayo. <laughs> <laughs> she can pick them. I can I pick them. I remember. I did a walkathon just because they said Leif Garrett was going to sing at the oh. end. So I did like a walkathon and somehow like they're turned on a radio. Like Leif wasn't even there, but later <gasps> I learned yeah. Leif Garrett was the one who started Jason Bateman on drugs. Oh. So there you go. Oh, um, but I don't they're like still that. good friends, and I don't think there's any drugs now. So. Yeah, <laughs> Jason just has moved all of his issues to his food consumption. <laughs> to his eating disorder, right. So, okay, so what's confusing about this is the same thing that to me was confusing about Wham, like when Wham also had a song that was released that was like Wham featuring George Michael. I'm like, why the hell is there Wham and Wham featuring George Michael at, out at the same time? In my right. uh, my world. So same thing was happening with the Osmonds. There were the Osmonds, and then there was Donnie singing his heart out to the little girls. And the weird extra mm-hmm. thing about it was he was performing with the Osmonds sometimes, and then they'd shoot him out to sing his little bubblegum songs. And even on the records and in the performances, the brothers were his backup singers. So they were just really, really insulated. And then 
The he other was probably like, like, you didn't let me in. I will show you now. Yeah. That's what I kind of want to think. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then to, to just throw another weird wrench in there, they decide to put Marie out to work at age 13. Mm-hmm. Think of where we were when we were 13. Um, that's eighth grade. <laughs> No yeah. one is wanting to see that. I just, no one <laughs> yeah. wants to see that. Um, so at 13, they have her sing a country song called Paper Roses, and it goes oh, yeah. to number one. And so it's not an I awful song. She has she an was insanely 13. smooth. That's crazy. I know. And she she just had a nice mature look about her at the be- you know from the beginning. She, she always was marriageable. older. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so so you've got on one track the Osmonds, and then there's then there's Donnie, and then there's Marie. So all okay. of all of the brothers, the older ones, those four, the mm-hmm. ones that made up the barbershop quartet. Meryl. Meryl Allen, Jay, and Wayne. Trip, I fucking trip. can't believe I've gotcha. After all these years, <laughs> I know which Osmond is which, and I know all their names. It's so embarrassing. So the other brothers wanted to venture off into, like, real rock, and they were more influenced by Led Zeppelin and stuff, and the dad didn't like it, but he said okay. So the first song that they wrote that was actually, like, hard rock is really good, mm-hmm. and you'll always see it pop up on TikTok or all that kind of stuff. Like, the Osmonds really had a banger here with this song called Crazy Horses, <laughs> and it had this weird, like, Yamaha um, electric sound that was kind of like a horse neighing, and then um, one huh. brother started singing really low, and the guitar riff was really good, and then Merrill came in with his higher voice, and it was... It's a really good song, and every time I hear it, I'm like, I can't believe this is the Osmonds. It's, it was just so out of That's type. That's wild. It was really yeah, a good song. because they were totally marketed as the shiny, clean, wholesome. Like they actually looked scrubbed clean before yeah. you ever saw them. They, they had were big just smiles, big big, big teeth, teeth, big white teeth. Yep. Um, I mean, their hair was kind of long, but everybody's hair was longish. Back then, it wasn't right. like Robert Plant, you know, I'm going to have sex no. with your daughter. It was mom. not in, <laughs> no, it was not in disarray. It was molded. No. Um, so, and I feel so bad that they were there at the time where everybody wore matching white jumpsuits and then somebody would have a yeah. tie on that's yellow. Someone was orange. Somebody was blue. Donnie was always oh, purple. And then Donnie became identified with purple this or that. So. Yeah. Um, so, so Crazy Horses is kind of accepted on like, yeah, maybe they're turning a corner and they're going to be real rock stars good yeah so then right so then you know what they decide to do next what album they decide to put out next no you don't because no one does i don't it was a concept album called the plan you know what it was about Uh, kind of like about mormonism (laughs) oh yeah joseph joseph you are the one with the golden tablets that's the thing. It wasn't that 
it wasn't that on the nose. It wasn't that direct. Right. So the guys were of age to go on church missions. So let's see. If mm-hmm. Donnie was like 15, you've got 17, 19, 21, and 23 for those guys. They're, they're, they're right. full on mission ready. But they believed that they yeah. could reach more people through their music. And in fact, it really probably would have been awkward for them to go on mission tours as somebody who's that famous. You know? Yeah. I don't Especially if they knock on doors would... and don't sing. That would be <laughs> like a ripoff. Right. So they put out the plan. One reviewer said that the plan carried a too strong religious message, given that Mormonism is fairly conservative and not usually associated mm-hmm. with the themes of rock and roll. No kidding. Um, that reviewer also said that the music was too varied and too experimental, which... I think they even said that when Sgt. Peppers came out. So that sounds yeah. right. That sounds like what people were reviewing back then. Um, they had two minor hits, um, like maybe like number 36. But in the UK, they went, I think, to number five. And then there was a hit. With the Mormon? Yeah, one? with the Mormon album. Okay. Which it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't hit you over the head with a cross. Right. Mormon. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so I'm going to kind of pick up now on a documentary that was happening right when they released this record. At this point, this is 1973. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So many years ago. 1973. So imagine Breck shampoo, Tame shampoo, (laughs) um, just trying to get you into... The they, socks okay, so that have the little fuzzy balls on the back. Pom-pom socks? Those are pom-pom actually socks. for a reason, so they don't go into your shoe when you're playing tennis. <sighs> anyway. I'm giving the arrows. <gasps> yeah, I know. So so they somebody did a documentary on them, and it's not like documentaries today where you're watching somebody and they put the name underneath and they help you out as you're watching. You go, well, I wonder which Osmond that is. Nope. They're like, fuck it. We're just going to show these Osmonds talking. (laughs) So when I say that, I think it's so-and-so speaking. That's why. Um, Gotcha. Mom was on the tour with them. They go over to the UK. The whole plane is an an Osmond plane and they Mm -hmm. go to England together and they show the plane, and I'm like, oh, look who's there. Mom goes on tour with them. Okay. And I'm guessing Dad, yeah. too, but they filmed Mom. Um, not sure. Um, so they interview the mom, and she said, the kids feel that this leadership position they have, they don't want to let the kids down. In that respect, I feel they're very good missionaries for Christianity. I get that. Gotcha. I get that. I mean, all the Christians are saying No. You're a Mormon, but <laughs> right. I get it. Yep, and um, and they're making a bigger impact than knocking door to door. And they're they're non-threatening. Like if yeah. I were a young kid seeing Robert Plant back then versus Donny Osmond, I'd be like, oh, Robert Plant's gonna try to you know <laughs> bang bang <laughs> people, and I might be there, right. and it would be scary. So Donny was very non-threatening, yeah. and so was Alan mm-hmm. and Wayne and Jay and Merrill and, and Merle Jimmy. and Squirrel and, and Squirrel Chippy. Um, so at some point during this documentary, by the way. 
when they get to the UK, 10,000 fans were at the airport to meet them. And I want to know, like, how do you get that information out to all the people in London? Like, is it on, I guess people are just listening to the radio. Like, the Osmonds are coming to the airport? Fuck it, man. Totally. We're going to the airport. (laughs) We're going to see the Osmonds. People used to talk to each other. And what? they used to like call on the phone. Oh, Fu- on the phone, on the did. phone. So I bet, like you and I, Leaf Gareth's gonna be down at the walkathon. <laughs> so I'm gonna go down there with my, with my braces, and he's gonna look at me. He's gonna be so excited. So excited. So it seems like it's just chaos. Ten thousand people. That's a lot of people. Anyway, it is. so they're met with these huge crowds. They've got giant concerts all over the place. They show them completely mm-hmm. soaked in sweat, getting in the back of a car, yeah. having to, like, suck down orange juice to, you know, replenish yeah. their systems and try to wipe off stuff before they get back in the plane or the bus. I don't know. Um So at one point there, the mom says, too, that a lot of people have brought their entire families to convert since they've been in show business. And I can kind of see that, you know? Wait, what do you mean? Brought their whole entire families to convert? What does that mean? uh, To Mormonism. So since the kids have been performing. No, this is just an interview, sorry, in the documentary. So when the mom is interviewed in the documentary, she's plugging Mm -hmm. the idea that they are good missionaries for Mormonism because people Mm -hmm. who have seen them perform have been made aware of the church and have come to the church and then been converted and joined the church. So Ah, um, it's very Hillsong and that look at this attractive pseudo celebrity stuff. I want to go see that person, you know, and then there you yeah. are. Interesting. And there were so few ways to be closer to who you loved back then. So I guess to be closer to the same God was probably pretty exciting, especially if think about like, okay, you're, you're the parent of a teenager back then and you desperately don't want Robert Plant to fuck them at a concert. And they're like, <laughs> I'd like to go to, <laughs> I'd like to go to church. Thank God. Let's go. Right, (laughs) right. I don't care what it's like. Well, it's a temple, and you can't say what goes on in there. And yeah. So, um, and let's be clear: they are not the Mormons that believed in plural marriage, just multiple children. This is not the Mormon children group. Right. No, no. Um, anyway, so their mom, Olive, says that this thrills them because they believe Jesus is the son of God and that he's going to be coming back soon. Okay. So then I'm pretty sure it's Wayne who they're interviewing next. It's always he, Wayne. He, he starts talking about their newest album, The Plan. And he says it's a concept album about their Mormon beliefs. Um, and he says... There's a lot of confusion these days among especially the youth. They're asking themselves questions like, why am I here? What's going to happen when I die someday? Our The Plan album was our attempt to answer those questions because we feel we do have the answer. So they answered it in the vaguest way possible. (laughs) Right. Um, 
So here's what a reviewer said of the plan. And I like this. Artists aren't often monetarily rewarded for taking risks. And in the case of the Osmonds, their offering to the world at the time definitely didn't pay off monetarily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in hindsight, this guy says he thinks they deserve respect for putting their entire livelihood on the line. It was one of the biggest gambles in rock history. And it flopped. And yeah, they they put it on the line and it did not hit. Um, and the people it says said more than, no. <laughs> the people said no, thank you. Um, so it, this guy goes on to say Mormonism has always struggled with public perception, and rock music at the time carried negative connotations in religious households. And as Mormons have maintained a reputation as being very conservative, the music may have been too heavy for those who were more religious, yet too cheesy for your average rock and roller. I'm like. <laughs> That says it perfectly. What was the deal with this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, there were, you can go online if you choose to hear analyses of of the various songs on there, but I will just give you a bit of um, the highlights. So the psychedelic opener is called War in Heaven. Okay. Well, that's pretty, yeah, like... (laughs) That's overt. (laughs) Okay. Um, Then there's one called Before the Beginning, a forlorn, ponderous ballad with sweeping orchestral lines introducing the Mormon concept of eternal progression because part of the Latter-day Saint theology is the idea that God's children are going to one day progress to a godlike state. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's another song called Movie Man, They say uh, this Lucifer-like character appears in it. Um, I knew there was, was once I said movie, I knew it was (laughs) going to be like the devil comes in. Secular. Um, Mm -hmm. Let Me In was not a sex ballad, but... um, It was not. (laughs) It was a ballad that one might expect from the Osmonds, it says, but the lyrics carry a more religious subtext upon analysis. Um, The spirited one-way ticket to anywhere is one of the stronger songs on the album, featuring a big chorus, lush harmonies, intense cowbell action. (laughs) 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 Um, Here's one that I don't even... Did they have the Mormon tabernacle choir backing them up oh, for anything? No, no, you would no. think that's a natural. Oh, no? no. Okay. Because um, they were rockers, you know, or that's what they wanted yeah. to do. Um, let's see. This I like this. Are You Out There is the Gethsemane of this album as the protagonist <laughs> of the play, born into confusing circumstances, struggles to make sense of his life and pleads sincerely with his creator. Um, then there's one called It's All Right, Darling. Oh, a, a song that the already married Merrill wrote for his wife, Mary. It sounds a little out of place, they said, but it's contextualized when one is made aware of the importance that Mormons place on heterosexual marriage. They placed right. a big importance and, on marriage. And what do they call it? Um, marriage. Not eternal, not <laughs> ethereal. The, the marriage goes on in heaven. They believe that when you, marry, yeah, when you marry your spouse, it is their belief that you are with them for eternity. And so Correct. that is why divorce is not an option. Um, 
there was an interesting little bit of it here. Okay, so speaking of marriage, yeah, Meryl was already married in 73 when they went on this tour to the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was Alan and so was Wayne. They all got married in 1973. It was a good good year for Mormon <laughs> girls who were looking to get an Osmond. Yeah. Um, Donnie ended up waiting five years in 78, he Ooh. got married. He was 20. 20, Karen. Exactly. Because this is a young situation with the Mormons, and it's yeah. called celestial marriage, just to save oh. anyone from writing in. <laughs> um, so of all those Osmonds, they all got married 73, 73, 73, 78. Then Jay was like the outlier. He waited till 87. Ooh, hold out. Crazy. Yeah, that's a long time compared to your brothers. And if you think Mormon about it. years. And for in sure. Mor- and in Mormon mm-hmm. years. And Jay's also the only one of them who ever got divorced. Yeah. So Jay was Although I think there's someone else who got divorced. Well, she's coming up. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. So let's see. That was the UK years. And then okay. So they do the tour. They put out this plan album so they they do the uk tour it's 73 at some point during the next year donnie and marie together started singing and together they co-hosted one week of the mike douglas show which was an afternoon entertainment show which we really don't have anymore so we don't Yeah, so that was on at like four o'clock every afternoon. And when Mike would go on vacation, he would have a co host or, you know, guest hosts come in. So they Mm -hmm. did such a good job as brother and sister hosting that. Fred Silverman offered them a show of their own. So if we go back to the lesson at the beginning of the podcast about (laughs) how few things were on TV and how big the Mm -hmm. audiences were, if you get given your own TV show, you don't say no. And he didn't offer it to all the Osmonds. It was to Donnie and Marie specifically. That's uncomfortable, maybe. That's a great word for it. That's a shitty word. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because let me, let me, I'll, I'll address the elephant in the room. Okay. When the Osmonds were around... One glowed, and it was Donnie. You you look at them, and you're like, eh, you know, they're fun. And then you see Donnie, and he's mm-hmm. like his teeth. He had this smile that was like had an extra something to it. Yeah. And then, but there was always then Jimmy. <laughs> and so Jimmy was just exactly yep. as you would picture. All oh. of them, and then they'd sort of make fun. They'd go, oh, and let's not forget Jimmy. And here would come this kid yeah. that is every kid in your neighborhood yeah. that you would say, oh, here comes Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, he was exactly like that. And he didn't um, have the black puffy hair that they all had. He had, like, light brown, straight kind of feathery greasy hair. feathered yeah. hair and he was at a yeah. point in his development where he was chubbier and oh right. god and they they just brutal they it's brutal how they had some kind of hit over there with him singing a song in his baby voice called the the something oh the long-haired lover from liverboy or from liverpool sorry 
Let me say that every day. <laughs> it's a new hepatitis. <laughs> That's great. Who cares? So, like, anytime anyone says lover, it creeps me out. But especially when it's, like, me a too. little Mormon boy saying, I'll uh, yeah. be your long-haired lover. Anyway. Uh. Um, no, you won't. So, <laughs> so it's, it is a bummer. And it is uncomfortable. And when... When in future interviews, they do talk about how that show screwed them up because it wasn't just a show where they could do a little bit of music and then get off and somebody else Mm -hmm. took it. But like Donnie and Marie had to do stupid sketches and be corny together and sing numbers that were big and produced and the popular songs of the day, but they did them in a very Lawrence Welk. Nobody's going to know that reference either. They did them in a very Mormon friendly, family friendly way. Right. It's the kind where you sit on um, like a bench they pull out there and you sway while sitting. There aren't many songs that you sing while seated and swaying. But I also was just thinking about, you know, pulling off the whole show. Those variety shows for people who never saw them, Sonny and Cher and mm-hmm. all that, they were super popular, the Mandrell sisters. Um, yeah. But so many costumes. It was like skit drama where it's like you're all dressed up like clowns saying something stupid. Yep. Now you're all going to dress up like cowboys and say something you're gonna stupid. You're going to dress up it was just like you're in the 50s shtick. and do songs from mm-hmm. Greece or you're going to do like a roller right. skating number. And then there was one where they had Donnie and Marie and Sonny and Cher came to visit the show and then they sang oh. they sang some beat oh they sang silly love songs by Paul McCartney together. Right. <sighs> yeah, it's just, it's very cringy and it's to her credit, it's good that Cher went on to have the career that she did yeah, after totally. that right. variety show. Because what happened to the Osmond brothers, and they talk in some of the subsequent documentaries, they talk about resenting it. They were still mm-hmm. working on the show. They were choreographers. They were backup singers. Aww. They were backup dancers, like producers. Yeah. And one of them said, I, like... I, I'm glad those sound better. I was just... Picturing them all like just holding the mic, you know, the boom mic. Right. Jimmy, two feet to the left. So um, to be like relegated to that just makes me sad for them. Yeah. But at the same time, in your right. brain, I'm, I was thinking the same thing. I was wondering if Donnie had any secret thoughts of like, you didn't want me joining when I was little. And this is what happens. You know, there's the ebb and flow. Yeah. I wonder. I don't know. He probably thought it. But then I just felt think bad for thinking he it. did come out like uh, outwardly more attractive. And yes. he had charisma. And that was it. Yeah. I remember when people were like, oh, but I like Wayne. I like Jay. And like. Well, that was like me when I would like the weird guy in an ensemble <laughs> comedy show. Right. <laughs> I've I been like there. the loser one. Yeah. I like the one who's going to get arrested. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> Give me Danny Bonaducci any day. Um, so, 
So they're doing the Donnie and Marie show, and one of the brothers in high, you know, in the subsequent documentary says, like, when we dressed up as lobsters, I knew we were never coming back mm. from this. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Okay, so Donnie and Marie, it's on, like, four years. It's a big hit, of course, because it's on TV, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what you need. Um and they're still able to get the audience of the girls who had come up with him, who were like growing up and maturing with Donnie. And then they started to wane. So, but at the height of their career, um, Donnie's 20, Maria's 18. They get interviewed on a summer special with Barbara Walters. And Uh she's not one to not ask hard questions. So, Mm -hmm. um, let's see. They address Mormonism. Donnie said, uh, when she said, will you marry a Mormon? He said, yeah, I'm going to marry a Mormon. Um, When she asked Marie the same thing. And by the way, I'll send you the picture. Marie's sitting there in a little white shirt with a shawl on. (laughs) I thought you'd appreciate that you enjoyed. A shawl. Um, Marie was not that committal. She was not that committed. She even said that she dated other people. Um, and let me just tell you this and break your heart about Marie before marrying. I think this is from Wikipedia. She was engaged in May 79 to Jeff Creighton, an acting student. But in July of that year, they broke their engagement during an episode of what happened or during an episode of watch what happens live in January, 2019, she told host Andy Cohen that she briefly dated Eric Estrada. She also what? dated the singer Andy Gibb around the same time. Oh, sh- that's slut. I find it hard to believe she could pass <laughs> up Andy Gibb's um, <laughs> efforts <laughs> to, to ruin her. <laughs> but who knows? Um, uh, yep. Who knows? I don't know. Okay, so Donnie was 20 in this interview, and... He talks about marriage to Barbara, and he must have been dating her, but he ended up getting married that same year. And if it was summer... Not to Barbara, but not to Not to someone. Barbara, but right. to his wife, who was 19 at the time. She was a student. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, too, in the intro, Barbara calls her the most eligible bachelor, and I'm thinking, maybe you mean most sought-after bachelor, but... Most eligible, no, yeah, because there is a very that. small pool of people to whom he would be eligible. Um, and let me just add in there that in that day, even the name Mormon, if you went to regular mainstream churches, was semi-creepy, was semi-unknowable and mysterious, mm-hmm. and you knew that they didn't believe like you, and... It, not a lot was known about them because there was no internet. There was no, you know, anything. So they were like the only Mormons anyone had ever seen. And they're other than lives, the ones on your block, they went to Utah. Yeah, or the ones who were on your block, dressed yeah. in the white and the black tie, white shirt, black tie, knocking on your they door, came after scaring me. your kids. Yes. Yeah. But what if that was two Osmonds? I would have reacted <laughs> way differently. <laughs> well. Um, hey, can we sing a duet with you? <laughs> no. That's what it would be. <laughs> no, we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so then Barbara goes on to ask them if their spouses will be the first person they have sexual relations with. And Donnie said something like, uh, Marie, why don't you take this? And she says, well, we believe in the commandment that says thou shalt not commit adultery or fornication and that God is the same now and then and forever and whatever. So then that mm-hmm. still applies. And I'm like, first of all, I looked up the commandments just to make sure. It only says adultery. It doesn't say fornication. It does. Where'd they add that in? Not. Where'd they add that in? Yep. Yeah. Paul, when Paul came around with all of his issues. Paul. But I just, I don't like that Barbara asked that kind of shit, though. To an 18-year-old, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So then. I mean, I respected her, but. So Donnie. There's something she, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I still don't like her, really, if we're honest. But so Donnie throws Marie in front to answer. And then it sets mm-hmm. up Barbara to say, you know, so is sex going to be the first time you have it with your wife? And Donnie goes, you better believe it. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's when he talks about spouses going into eternity together. And he really likes the relationships that his brothers have with their wives. And she says, but Donnie, right. what if it doesn't work out? And he's like, I don't approach it like that. I just have faith that it will. And you know what? They're still married. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's, and Barbara there's some, is deceased, but that's not. I, yeah. yeah, well, you know, what was she, 90? Um, oh, and then she asks Marie whether premarital sex is a sin. And Marie has to say, you know, an answer, which I think is hard for an 18-year-old. And who mm-hmm. knows how much media totally. training, I don't know how much media training they got back then. Today, you'd be yeah. completely prepped for these questions. Who knows? But mm-hmm. she does very well-spokenly say, um, and this is like a quote, people can live how they want to live. That's not the way we believe. And I'm like, okay, that's great. She didn't shove it down anyone's yeah. throat. It wasn't, yeah, they really need to repent. They need to do this and that. Mm -hmm. So also at the time, there was an issue in the church where they had been, um, I guess, publicized for not ever having a black priest or whatever they call them. I was going to say. I can't remember what they call them. I remember that. They didn't Uh, have black members for a long time because they thought it would only (laughs) be white people in the... You know, 144, yeah, and then all there was related to each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then, and then poor there was Donnie some has rich to black say. people who wanted to join, which yeah. is hilarious to me. Anyway, um, and the odd thing is too, the Jackson family—they were Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witnesses, another group that is mysterious. Or at least back then, right. was very mysterious. Yeah. Um, so. They asked him about racism. Donnie gets real serious, and he says, we aren't racists. And then he says, I'm not an authority on church issues, and I don't know why, but that's what the Lord wants right now. <laughs> like, oh, that's so cringy. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad for him. Um, so let's see. Speaking of marriage, so Marie married Steve when she was 24, Then they Mm -hmm. divorced three years later, and she married another guy and ended up having Mm -hmm. two biological children, five adopted kids. 
Then they got divorced, and now she's married to Steve again because he yeah. was a really great guy. It's so, yeah. I think it's kind they of They just anyway. weren't ready for each other. <laughs> I get the feeling that Marie was more of an independent thinker sometimes than the boys were, maybe. Maybe because she was yeah. the only girl. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so along those lines, I really like that in one recent-ish article, um, not article, interview, Donnie comments on his Vegas show because he did a show in Vegas with Marie for years, like one of those residencies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then they stopped it. So in the Vegas show, Donnie says, I have to be careful because religion is a personal thing and I don't want to be a religious zealot. He said, I'm an entertainer. And when people come to my show, that's what they get, entertainment. I'm not a preacher. And I was like, I like that. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I he get it. does have a place on his website for people to ask him questions about his faith because obviously it's a big right. part of his life and he answers them. Maybe so, um, maybe Christians could do that, mainstream ones. Don't talk about it and then right? just put it on a website. And people just will come just believe if they want to ask. Yeah. Believe. Just believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. So here's something that's a little fun and tipping toward the scandals that we like to mock. Marie, mm-hmm. from 2013 to 2016, was the spokesman for Wise Foods, a maker of emergency freeze-dried foods. And they have them in bucket sizes. And they have one called the Extreme Patriot Bundle. You can buy it now if you want to. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, didn't she do like a diet thing, like Nutrisystem? It wasn't that? Yes. But but she's done a lot of spokesperson. And didn't she do dolls? Don't you have one of those? Uh, Let's shut it down right now. Because I was so excited when my dad found this box and it was like, it's a doll. And I'm like, oh, what if it's one of those expensive ones? And it was this freaking Marie Osmond doll from QVC. From QVC. I'm like, I don't even remember. Because she was on QVC all the time. Yeah. I remember that. Well, one of the reasons why they do so many varied things, too, is because... The the family performed, and they took all the money that they had and just put it into one giant pile of family money mm-hmm. that would eventually be divvied okay. up accordingly. So they hired what, people. So Jimmy gets ha- all this money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For and being like Donnie Jimmy? said that, yes. So Donnie said that he got $25,000 an episode for the Donnie and Marie show a lot back then. And he never saw any of it because it all went into the pile. And then the pile was used to make real estate investments. Some of those were bad. Some Mm -hmm. of the people who they hired and trusted were not to be trusted. So they lost almost all of their $80 million Fortune Holy shit. at some point in all this. And so then they had to reinvent themselves. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Marie was this spokesperson, that spokesperson. She did Dancing with the Stars. These are only the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. All of those residencies in Vegas, those pay very well. Right. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know and why Donnie you have did, to. Um, Donnie did Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, remember? Yeah. He did, like, yeah. the revival so, of that. He did. And when, when he... When he got married, it was like, boom, his career was in the toilet because he wasn't yeah. an el- eligible bachelor not, quote, anymore. eligible. <laughs> yeah. Right. We didn't right. become Mormons <laughs> quick enough. Right. So, um, so he was like, well, I'll just do something else because he had always done that when he was a kid. He's like, barbershop quartet? No, we'll do pop. Oh, no, I'll do bubblegum. Oh, I'll do, you know, a show with Marie. So he decided, I'm going to go conquer Broadway. So they perform and they rehearse and they get everything done. And the first night they got horrible reviews and it was shut down the first night. And he was like, <laughs> what? And, Yikes. He, and so um, he said he never read the reviews, but people were saying it was specifically him that they did not care for. Wow. So when somebody yeah. wanted him to be in the revival of Joseph, he was like, Okay, Mm -hmm. all these years later, now you want me to be in this, but Broadway is where I completely tanked. So, um, yeah, they're a very resilient bunch. And Um, then he did well, yeah. So let me tell you sort of my thing with it. So I see them on TikTok. I don't know how Mm -hmm. old they are now in their 60s. They are very (laughs) well-preserved. I can't. They're, They're not. very well preserved. Donnie is Their kind teeth. of well preserved. Marie is very I, I mean, much had surgery. Yeah. That's what I mean. She's okay. had enough that it, it's distorted memories of what she looked like. He looks mostly yeah. the same. But I have this thing. Yeah. So I love Duran Duran. And I used to talk about him all the time. And when they started touring again, people are like, mm-hmm. are you going to go to Duran Duran? And I'm like, no. Like, I don't want to see them the way they are now. And that sounds terribly ageist, but I didn't like them at 60. Like, I like them at this certain yeah. time, and I like my memories of it. And I right. have a hard time... With seeing Donnie and Marie now, because it's just a little too cool for me. I have a little coolness issue with it, and then it makes me wonder if I'm that way. And that is my big issue. Like, do I think I'm much younger and do the white man underbite and dance when I'm going to be, you know, whenever I turn 60, like... I don't want to be that. So I do get a right. little cringed out. They're, I'm sure they're great people. People love to go to their concerts. They're still doing their thing. But for me, I have a hard time seeing people who were known as something when they're younger and trying to revive it again later. It just bothers. It, it icks and, me. And it's I know, certain I know, ones, too. No, but it's certain yeah. certain performers too because if you had a big crush on Simon LeBon from Duran Duran back then, it reminds you of how you felt being a teenager and like all revved up to see you know, yeah. the the band that you love and to catch them John on video. And it's just it, this is like seeing another band. 
and it's like yeah, seeing the and cover like band tight of them. pants on a twenty year old is so different than tight white pants on a sixty year yeah. old. And again, yeah. I'm sounding ages, but that's why in the Righteous Gemstones, when Danny McBride, who's I don't know forty five or whatever, wears them, he knows exactly what he's doing because they look ridiculous. And I love that. I love that he's like, I know that's why I'm wearing these. Um, But there is just something that makes me feel secondhand embarrassment that they're trying to hold on to youth so much that no one is telling them it's okay. Like, it's okay to age. And at the same time, if they're still able to fill seats and make money, I go, have at it. Yeah, do it. Totally. It's just it just doesn't happen to be my cup of tea for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like I'm, I'm still hell bent on seeing Eric Clapton because, you know, there's the guitar part of his. Uh, he didn't abilities. have like a look. And a dance. He didn't dance and no, look a certain didn't. way. And he, no, didn't, he did not. He's not like, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> it's like, we don't want to see Britney Spears when she's 70 with a crop top. There's just yeah. like, just, you know, let your body and yourself mature and age. And so I have a little bit of that with the Osmonds. I'm not too fond of it. But I used to be. So enamored of Marie Osmond because she did a special. And you couldn't (laughs) um, record these things. You had to watch it that night. So I waited and waited, had the TV guide with a little dog ear on it because that's how you found stuff. She was going to be in The Gift of the Magi. And it was like a three-night thing or something. She was so beautiful. And what they did is... They shot it. What else was I doing? So it was fine. <laughs> but they had, they shot it. I mean, in it was a short of, story, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> they had it shot in like that milky film that makes her look ethereal. Yeah. And she had her hair up and like one of those white high neck dresses of the 80s, like holding a flower. And, yeah, the gift of the Magi, and I don't remember who played the guy, but the whole thing is that, you know, her long, beautiful hair, she cuts it to sell for a wig, to buy a watch, band for the guy she loves who sells his watch to get her a stupid hair comb. Combs. And it's just a comb. I know. Um, so, But I love that. And she sang a song. I would lip sync the hell out of it. I would what? put a towel what on my head like I had long hair. Because oh, I used no. to do that with Cher, too. I don't know. Right. And it would play on the radio every once in a while. But we must have bought, like, the... The small album, because you could buy a regular vinyl, people, but you could buy two songs on a small one. Oh, so that's you're a just buying that song and whatever the sucky one was on the other side. Yeah. The B side. I can't believe you're not yeah. even using the lingo that we all talk about so much. Well, I'm trying to help <laughs> the youngins with all the this. The young ones. I know. Well, 
But Marie Osmond, like, she was beautiful. Yeah, and she really looked funky when it was, like, the early 70s and she had no bangs. And because she had really great, awesome, thick, long hair and it stayed nice and flat. Anyway. Yeah, and um, their teeth, man. Yeah. That was, like, the joke, too, was all about their teeth. Yeah. Um, so one other one that I'll tell you, a little thing about them that's a bit cringy. So in the Mormon belief, they have a thing called temple garments. And there's a version for oh, men yeah. and for ladies. And the men have like, oh, I guess maybe down to around their knees. It's white underwear and then an undershirt. And then there's a little symbol on it to represent something to do with the faith. And then there's something to represent yeah. like eternity. I don't know. It's like a V and an L or something like that. It's not Louis Vuitton, though. So <laughs> Joy Behar on one of her fucking talk shows gets the idea that she's going to ask them about the underwear. And um, and she calls Why? it magic underwear, which I think is just, right. you know what? You and I can say that when we're shitting on people, not in a public venue, but she's on not, TV. I agree. Not and putting someone asks, on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, but she she says, explain the magic underwear to me, because that I don't know about. And Donnie says, you know, I'd rather not. And I have to give him credit. He turned the tables yeah. on Barbara Walters at one point, and he gives it back to yep. Joy. And he goes, I'd rather not. I'll tell you why. Yes, we wear. Yes, I am. And I'd rather not get into it because it's not secret. It's just so sacred. And then Joy keeps pushing it, noting that non-Mormons generally laugh at the idea of magic underwear. And they both mm -hmm. laughed and they were like, well, people laugh because they don't understand. And then Donnie tried to help people understand and said... If you could go through the temple, the ceremony there, it goes back to the same ceremony in Solomon's Day, all those sacred temples back then. Not everybody was allowed in there, but the promises we make to God, you know, this magical underwear or whatever you want to call it, all it is, it's an outward expression of an inward commitment. And so then she keeps going, but why underwear? Why not a shirt or a ring or socks? And he says, you know what's interesting? Way back in the days, the Jerusalem days, the Old Testament days, they used to wear these things on their foreheads, you know, um, to remind them or something on their hand or arm or something like that. And he's like, it's the same thing. It's just a reminder of the promises. And I was looking it up and even Mormons seem to be divided over like when you're supposed to wear your temple garments. Um, mm -hmm. Some say you're supposed to wear them all the time. Um, but on exmormon.com, somebody wrote in about this and said, I'm such a douche. In winter 1992 in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Marie and the Oak Ridge Boys came to town. The local arena was packed. Somehow, by the grace of Joseph Smith, somebody in the ward called <laughs> to ask us Mishies if we wanted to go. Again, by the grace of Brigham Young, we got backstage passes. Even now, I don't know how it all happened. Truly a blessing. So we got to hang out in a tour trailer with Marie. I got my picture taken with her. Then I asked her how she dealt with not wearing garments. She said, not when I perform. Oh, my fucking God. I asked a female celebrity as a mishy about her panties. I'm so embarrassed. My mom still has the pick if you don't believe me. But, like, it's just great. No, not when I'm performing. Done. Next. Yeah. You know? Yeah. God. So. I didn't know they wore them, like, all the time. 
I got to look Some this people, up. I suppose, you know, well, it's like you were saying, they're, you they're the different do a versions. a lot of washing. Yeah. yeah. A lot of washing. I guess so. But I was, I was looking at yeah. them performing and like when they would bend over to say hi to the girls and shake their hands and their, their jumpsuits, which were white, would be real tight on their butts. They weren't wearing Mormon All temple right. garments. <laughs> so, but Thank they were you, in costume. Bonnie, for that so. research. Yeah. Well. That was good you research. Know, well, I you found. see a lot when I research. I just, I looked up the Marie Osmond show that I loved. Let's see if this is familiar to you. It was called The Gift of Love. Let me throw this in here in the no soup for you category. She and her husband aren't leaving the kids a fortune either because she wants them to have the motivation to work. And she says none of the money she's made over her lifetime will be left to her children. Um she said it would be a great disservice to them and that they need to make their own money. Um, he says, she says, congratulations, kids. My husband and I decided you'd do a great disservice to your children to just hand them a fortune because you take away the one most important gift you can give your children, and that's the ability to work. They won't be rich kids with rich kid syndrome. Yeah, I mean, to me it's fascinating because... We just heard about how they dealt with being Mormon and being in, quote, Hollywood and doing all that. But I'm interested in what the Mormon church was thinking. Like, here's our guys. Here's our this is what is going to put us on every, you know, in every household. We're going to be planting seeds of faith. I'm wondering if they were approached by different people in the Mormon church you know, you guys need to do this or hand out these pamphlets or whatever and how they dealt with and that. Yep, and we're probably not going to find out. But I will tell we you, not. in the documentary that is kind of recent where the brothers are performing in Branson, Missouri, mm-hmm. Merrill, who did a lot of the lead singing on the songs, you'd recognize his voice because it's, it's kind of Donnie-esque but not Donnie. Um, gotcha. Merrill mentioned that, and this is also sad, he had bulimia because they would tease him so much because he was chubby. So he, Damn. as a guy, had bulimia. And at one point he was thinking it'd be really easy to not be here anymore and kill himself. But then he felt a sign from sure. God and didn't. Um, and he's really touched by the fact that there were people... Um, who said that they converted because of one of the brothers' stories. So they they show that mm. in the documentary. Um, right. Um, let's see. The other thing that I remembered when I was watching some TikToks with Marie Osmond is, don't get too much filler, no, is <laughs> the, um, what was it called? The Child Children's Miracle Network. That was she huge. helped start with John and it's Schneider. Still going, yeah. With John Schneider, who always visits and I think has a house sort of down the way from in this other area where people live, and he has been doing terrible Christian movies, right wing movies. I'll send yeah. you a clip. We should do something on it because it's terrible. Anyway. But, yeah, they started the Children's Miracle Network, and it gives a lot, a lot of money 
to especially sick kids in need. And I think that's great. Um, and it hospitals. Billions. You know, they, they quoted some number on billions. there. Billions. Yeah. Yeah. So that I respect for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I have, I think I was telling you this before we started the podcast that, um, first of all, all these kids, I don't know about the first one that, that, you know, of the nine, but at least mm-hmm. eight of them are still alive, which is quite a nice ratio. <laughs> that's, that's a great percentage. That's that clean living. It is. I mean, Alan has MS. Alan's son has MS. Wayne had a brain tumor. Um, And then he had something else that I can't remember. And then that, then now, then he lost his hearing. But like, they're all alive um, with the exception of Marie and Jay. They're all married to the same person. So there, there is something to be said for just avoiding things that you can be addicted to. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Or is it the magic garments? Is it the magic garment? No. Um, I (laughs) saw a video, Johnny Osmond's kids, like the Osmond genes were freakish. That's the main thing. It's like you could tell an Osmond, it was their teeth. They got the most and everyone else in Utah had to fight for them. But his son, he always says, looks like Justin Bieber, which I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. But they yeah. all are just like these clean living, you know, super yeah, polished, you know, people. So Their family is their social group because they have so many of them. Anyway, I yeah. would suggest to That's everybody, if you don't know the song Crazy Horses, it, it will rock your world. Okay, guys, so there's our rundown, a nice broad history of the Osmond family and more than you wanted to know about their rock history because <laughs> it's interesting to me. But um, their, Mormon, their Mormon background, I don't think it was a big bad thing. I certainly don't think it's it as disruptive just... and distracting as Justin Bieber or Kanye. Well, true. And... It was just the first Mormons anyone had ever heard of. They hadn't even heard of Mormonosity at that point. So, um, and they know, got seven of it, them. It could have been worse. <laughs> have a good, uh, you know, whatever you're going to have. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Don't be shit. Bye. Bye.